Hebrews, growing in grace and knowledge. I've noticed us. Our messages have been back to basics, and that's good. We, we need to review every time that we have a chance to review God's Word, go back to the basic things, look at those basic things, and, and, and review those, and, uh, because um, we're human. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And um, mine is going to be somewhat similar to that, and I, I want to I have a message called Grow in Grace and Knowledge, and it, it comes from the second Peter, his uh, second letter uh, that he wrote. And it's verse 18, second Peter 3, verse 18. And I want to start there because this is uh, the, the, the springboard for the rest of the, the message. Grow, but grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Well, that's, a, that's a beautiful ending to this uh, very powerful uh, letter that he wrote. And it's interesting that it's just kind of open to, you know, to anyone. And it's for us. It comes down through the ages to us today. And I was going to just pick out um, a few verses in three, but I'm going I'm to uh, fool Brian a little bit. And I'm going to go to verse one. I hope... I hope that's okay, because as I was sitting there listening to Doyle and the things he was saying, and it, and it kind of dovetails what he was, his message, um, I think this, this last chapter in his last letter, his last epistle, really has um, a profound effect for, for us in this last days. And it, it should wake us up um, and help us to be stirred and help us to think about what um, our life is is like today, because of some of the things he's talking about in here, very much are a part of what we're, we're facing in this society today. He says this second epistle, verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Pure mind by way of remembrance. Now, for, for us that <clears throat> have been around a while, we need to stir our minds up. And if we're new to this way, that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we stir our minds to, to understand God's word in depth. That you may be mindful of the words which, are, which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. I was uh, perusing through the... Uh, uh, as I have said before, I'm a consummate um, newsreader. <clears throat> I'd have to have 100 papers to, to, to get the same amount of news that I get out of, uh, off of the uh, Internet. And uh, it was interesting that um, there's one of the, uh, uh, you'll know right away who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to mention the name, one of the candidates or proposed candidates who would very much like um, to... Uh, change our religious thinking so that we could just make abortion more acceptable to everyone. So there wouldn't be any old religious people out there that pound the pulpit about how bad abortion is. She just wants to change it. She wants to change our religion. 
And, and, and this is what's going to happen in the last days, and we're seeing it over and over and over again. And it's becoming more and more prevalent in this society. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, the lust of mammon, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And it does seem like from generation age to age that, oh, things just keep on going. But it's interesting what he, he has to write here. For this, for this they, shall willing, they are willing, willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water in the, and in the water, whereby the world that, was, that, that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved to fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And remember what it says in, in Genesis, that he would not bring another flood. But there is going to be a time in which there is going to be a, a, a great... Um, uh, judgment upon this earth and it, it's going to be a judgment by fire so understand that so um, reserved to fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day um, now that puts us in, in, in quite an interesting situation doesn't it if we're going to worship God, we have about 10 minutes of his time. <laughs> so, it's very important that we take it seriously. And, and this, this book is given to us so that we can take it seriously. And if we're during that last generation, that last time, um, I was also reading a little bit about the Armenian um, situation 100 years ago. That was the most pathetic and, and cruel and... Uh, it was just so terrible. Uh, I don't know how many, a million and a half people just slaughtered. They were Christians that were living in that area. And they would just come in and all of a sudden they would just, they would be nice and kind and all of a sudden they would, something would change and they'd just start slaughtering them one after another. And, and we may be living in that, in that time in which that's going to happen again. We know that in, in, in places in the world, Christians are taking and being persecuted and being killed. And so these are times in which we have to really be concerned. Be not ignorant. Because the Lord is not slack. Verse 9. Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so that's the reason why there's more time so that we can preach the gospel, we get the message out, help people to understand the truth of the word and, and, and what God is doing and wanting more and more sons in his kingdom. But of that day the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So there's coming a time of, of judgment. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct or conversation and godliness? You know, as we see those times coming, as we see the world in, in, in turmoil, uh, turmoil, and especially as we see per, uh, 
different ones being persecuted around the world, don't think it can't come to us, because it could. We need to be praying that God will continue to, to be with us and take care of us, protect us in, this, in these days, looking after us. He says in verse 12, looking for, for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. There's, there's a time coming when righteousness and, and, and goodness and, and love and peace will come to this earth. We may have to go through some trials and tribulations, but one of these days, when Christ returns, that will happen upon this earth. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And that's, that's what we do on a daily basis, which we should be doing, is looking at our lives, changing our lives, and becoming as, um, as spotless and blameless before, before God. And of course, we, we definitely need God's Holy Spirit, and we definitely need... The, um, our advocate at the right hand of the Father, our high priest, Jesus Christ. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. And he, he mentions how hard sometimes it is to understand Paul's writing, but yet it's, it's for our time, isn't it? And as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as, as they do also in other scriptures, to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, and this is for us, because remember, this Bible is for us today. Everything that we read, everything that, that, that is in this book has come down through the ages, but in reality, it is for those, that last generation and for all of his sons. This book is so very important. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your, uh, fall from your own self uh, uh, steadfastness. In other words, you're steadfast in this way, you're steadfast in it, and then all of a sudden all these things come upon you, and maybe you're deceived and pulled away from the truth. But then he gives this encouraging last verse. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. And uh, I brought up my trusty, <clears throat> my, uh, trusty iPad with my uh, trusty e-sword uh, so that I could go in here. And uh, let's hope that it comes up so I can find it. <laughs> and right there it is. Oh, wow. All right. The word grace is, is a beautiful word. And uh, sometimes I, it is misused. And I have two lexicons on, the, on my e-sword, which, which is really nice, because you can get a little bit different flavor from two different uh, um, groups that, that looked at this Greek word, karisi, uh, or karis, or karis. I think that's how it's pronounced. That's a Greek word. It's uh, uh, G5485, and it's from 5463 means graciousness uh, as, as a manner of act, abstract or concrete, literal, figurative or spiritual, especially the divine, and this is what Lawrence has always brought out, and I think this is, this is a very good definition, but I also want to read one other one. This is a very good definition. 
especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, and that also includes gratitude. So as God has an influence on our life, more grace, you know, and, and takes care of us, and we see that in our life, we reflect that through our own life. We reflect that through our own life. Now, I wanted to go to the other lexicon, which is um, Thayer's, and if I can get it up here, which has a little bit more to it, and um, so you just punch this button and punch that button and hope that you get it up right. And I, I picked this one. Um, he's, he's got several definitions here. Uh, the first one is grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. But the second one I think probably fits this the most. Goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns into Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles uh, them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. Isn't that that's beautiful? And I think that's what God does. He works in us to have a more beautiful and more uh, outgoing and, and loving um, reflection of him. You know, if we leave it up to ourselves, uh, we're, not, we're not that godly. But if we are reflecting Christ in us, then that is the most important thing. So I want to look at grace. A very short, a very short um, look at grace. Not the extensive look at grace that could be uh, today. First of all, let's turn to um, um, Luke, the second chapter, because we have an example, and that example is Jesus Christ. And he's the one we emulate in our life. And as a child, it says, and the child grew, verse 40, Luke 2, verse 40, the, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God was upon him. And, and as you read Christ's messages and, and the things, he, he, he exuded that, didn't he? The, he, would, he would, the things that he would say to people and the way that he acted and the things that he would do, that, that grace was, was shown. In, in John, the first chapter, and we're very familiar with these. There's John 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And it's interesting that, these, that there has to be a connection, doesn't there? Uh, uh, Peter said grace and knowledge, but grace and truth are the same. You know, We have to have the two together. You have to understand who God is. You have to understand Jesus Christ. You have to be able to grasp them. Because then you can understand how, how God is working in you. If you didn't study the book, if you didn't understand what was written in here, you would have a very hard time grasping what God was doing in your life. John, uh, staying right there in John, the first chapter, beginning with two verses here. And uh, uh, 16 and, and 17. And of his fullness have all we received in, the, in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And all the, Moses was a marvelous individual, wasn't he? God gave him a lot of power and, 
And uh, he had a lot of responsibility. But Christ was greater than Moses. And, and Christ had grace and truth, and, but also he didn't, he didn't go against the, the truth. And we're going we're gonna to go, um, we'll bring that out here in a little bit. Let's go to Acts, the 11th chapter. As we look at as a, as something that happened that kind of expounds this on, on grace. Let's see, beginning in verse 19. 11 verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and, and, Cyrus and uh, Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. And so here we have some men that came in and were starting to preach, which when they, were, uh, they came to Antioch spoke to the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You don't have to have a headquarters church. God can work in, with anyone. He can work with us individually, can't he? He can take us if somebody comes up to us. He, we can influence them by the words and the understanding that we have. And these men, they were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, and, under, and people were believing. And the hand of the Lord was with them, as it says. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Did you go that far, uh, Barnabas? I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> you made a lot of journeys over there, didn't you? <laughs> anyway. Uh, and that's where uh, Barnabas' name came from, right out of the Bible, uh, this, uh, one of the apostles. And uh, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, so the grace of God was in that place with these, these individuals, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cling to the Lord. I mean, what encouragement that would have been. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit of faith. And many people were added to the Lord. And so that was, uh, that was very encouraging there. And grace was in that, in that area. Now, let's go to Romans, the third chapter, because grace comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, too. As we see in Romans, as, as Paul expounds this. In Romans 3, and beginning in verse 23, very, just a few verses here. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's the reason why we, we need the grace of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. It is um, interesting that it is, it is Christ that also helps this grace to abound in our lives and his sacrifice, which we just got through, uh, you know, participating in in the, in the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. And so consequently, we understand a little bit deeper about those things as we re repeat them year after year after year. And it's important for us to, to, to do that, to review and to keep the commandments as, he, uh, as we're told. And so, let's see. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, 
that he might be just and the justifier and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. The last verse there, verse 26. And so in verse in chapter 6, we find something very interesting because if you take grace to its uh, ultimate thought, oh well, we can just get away with anything. Because God will just forgive us and he'll be have grace on us and we'll just be just you know, peachy keen because we'll have that wonderful grace that will just forgive us and, and we won't have any problems at all. But Paul wants us to, to be set straight with that, doesn't he? He wants us to understand that uh, grace is not a license to sin. This is something that God lovingly gives to us because he loves us. But he doesn't want us to be sinners. In fact, some in the some um, um, past um, preachers many, 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 many years before have um, uh, said, oh yeah, you just uh, sin, uh, grace, uh, the, uh, sin of all you want, the grace may abound. <laughs> um, so he advocated sin, but this is, this is what Paul said. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. In other words, let it not be so. That's what it really says. Let it not be so. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Grace is not a license to sin. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, uh, we, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that herein we should not serve sin. And now, when we come up out of the watery grave of baptism, our, our sins are forgiven at that point, but we are still physical. But God has given and will give us the Holy Spirit direct in our life. And that's, that's the power that's there, that Holy Spirit that is in us. And Father, the, the Father and the Son um, dwell in us, direct us, guide us. And you know what? We're still physical, aren't we? We still sometimes struggle with sins for our whole life and we pray that God will help us and strengthen us and help us to overcome those things but we know that we we have problems and but we don't give up we don't give up just like what Peter was saying you don't allow that to take you away from from God now with that with the grace that's there with those things that we've just learned we also need to, to incorporate knowledge because it says grace and truth, grace and knowledge. Those are very important together. Because if you don't understand what God is doing in your life, you can't understand why that grace is important for you. And so, we go back to Proverbs, and I didn't have this in, in, in Brian's, but in Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So when we begin to understand that, that God created us, put us on this earth, and has given us a purpose, that he, he is all-powerful, that we're just human, and we, we begin to realize that we have a, a finite life, 
uh, with 10 minutes before God, that this is important, that we reverence God. We have two things. We fear Him because He can take our life, and He, and, and he can also, you know, if we, the ultimate is uh, the second death, but also we reverence Him. That's important, that we reverence God. So 2 Timothy is where we start when we, we talk about knowledge. And everybody knows what this is. This is not something um, brand new. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. He says, study. So, to gain the knowledge of God, we have to study. To show ourselves approved to God. So who are we? We're trying to understand God. We're trying to understand our purpose before God, our place in God's um, realm, His kingdom, where He wants us, what He wants us to do. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now we, we pray that God will help us to open our hearts and our minds to see the truth. Not to be led astray, brethren. Not to be led astray, but to, to, to see the truth. Line upon line, it says in Isaiah, here a little, there a little. So we put all things together and we come to a better understanding of the truth, the knowledge of God. The basics are there. We, we have a lot of basic things that we, we come to understand. In Hebrews, the sixth chapter, by the way, this was where I wanted to, uh, wanted to start, but I thought that this, I, I didn't have enough groundwork for this because this is, a, this is quite a study. But I wanted to read this anyway. I wanted to, to bring this out. Because it's important for us to understand that there is a process that's going on uh, in, in our life. And there's a process in the world. And there's a purpose. The, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the most important thing to God. His bringing it here. But He has a plan. He has a purpose. And He has a timeline. Remember it said, He is not slack concerning those things. He knows His timeline. We're human. We want things to happen. We want it to be done. We want, let's have it now, you know. <laughs> We're excited about it now. But God has a certain purpose. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. In other words, let us go on to maturity. Not laying in the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Now, we have these things as part of our life while we're living on this earth. Of the doctrine of baptisms, and there's, there's three. Remember, the, there is the, the water baptism, and there's the baptism of, of, of the Holy Spirit that He gives us, and then there is the, the, uh, uh, the baptism of fire, which we really don't want to be a part of. And anyway, there are baptisms, and the laying on of hands. After you're baptized, you come up out of that watery grave, we lay hands on you. The Bible says to lay hands on that, and they will receive the, the Holy Spirit. And so, we, we lay hands. And of the resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. There is coming a time when the dead will be raised. Some to eternal um, life, others to the second death. And so we know that. For this will we will do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God 
and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. Now, I, I, I read these. I don't like to read them. I read them because it, it warns us that once we've started on this road that we, we need to be committed to this. We need to be committed to the, to the truth. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near to cursing, whose end is to be burned. And I, to me, it, it, I would always like to see the positive things in the Bible and never see the negative. I want all. And I think that's, that's God's purpose. He would like to see all come to repentance, all change, all be able to be in his kingdom. He's, he's infinite. He has the power to love all of us and, and to have the part of the, of the kingdom to, to love every one of us. But some will reject. We see that in the Bible, in, in Revelation. Some will reject God's blessings, God's truth, God's way. They're going to reject it. And it's hard to understand why they would do that, but they will. Everyone will have a chance. We understand that. Everyone will have a chance to come and understand what, what God's purpose is for them. Um, let's see, where did I stop? Verse 8. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we declare that every one of, of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope uh, to the end, that you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the, the promises. For God has made, uh, for, God, for when God made promises, uh, well, I, I think I stopped at uh, verse 12 there. So anyway, knowledge, understanding, coming to that understanding what God is. There, there are so many things in the Bible. Um, we understand in Exodus the 20th chapter, the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai. So we know that that's there, and we understand that. In Leviticus 23, the, all the holy days, all the holy days are laid out, including the Sabbath. That is, is and, it's, and it's the Lord's Sabbath. It's not our Sabbath. This day belongs to God. This is his special time to meet with us. And so when we're here, we ask God to be with us. And I believe that he is, and I believe that he hears. And he, you know, I was struggling with this message, and I, and, and I noticed that, the, that uh, Doyle's was very close to what, what I was thinking and what we were putting down. In Matthew 5, verse 17, we find that Jesus did not do away with the law. Let's, let's turn to Matthew 5, and verse 17, which you probably have it up there already. But I'm going to turn to it, and I'm going to, I'm going to look at it myself right here. He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In other words, he's come to fill it full, to make it uh, more understandable, more, uh, more beautiful. I mean, if we go back and we look and see what God has been doing, and, and his purpose, and his plan, and, the, and what... With Jesus' you know, a part in it, it is so wonderful. He says, 
For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So heaven and earth has not passed. We have not come to that point in our life. Jesus made the commandments and, and the Old Testament and the prophets a, a part of our life. So when we look at those, we see that that's still a part of what we believe and we live it. He says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, For, and he says, uh, for I say, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven. He said, you know, it was interesting. Do, uh, um, do and teach and live. I wrote that down. Do it, teach it, and live forever. Because <laughs> that's what it says there, essentially what Jesus said. Whosoever shall teach them, the same shall be called great in the heaven. But you can't just teach it and not do it. So you have to do it, you have to teach it, and then you're going to live. That's how it works. It's a beautiful thought. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, way back there, way back there, <laughs> there was a lament that God had with the children of Israel. Oh, there was such a heart, verse 29, Oh, there was such a heart in them that they would fear me, keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You know, a basis of the commandments and the truth in our life is a part of our faith that takes us, you know, into the kingdom. And I'm, I'm, I'm positive that the words that are written in this book are the words of life that will take us me and you, into the kingdom of God through the, the grace of God the Father, Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, in verse, beginning in verse 11. It's interesting that Moses was reaching out to the people. He says, if you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, verse 10, Deuteronomy 30, verse 10, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, remember the two commandments, to love, the, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything, and love your neighbor. For this commandment which I command you this day is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. And especially in the New in the New Testament, this seems to just, just permeate everything. It's not far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go up to heaven, uh, for us to heaven to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it uh, to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. So he says, say, I've set before you this day life and good and death and evil. 
And that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgment, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land where you possess it. If we take that into the kingdom of God, we shall live for all eternity as his sons and daughters in that kingdom. And that blessing is there for all of us. He then puts a warning on this. He says, but if your heart turn away so that you will not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, then the world is full of all kinds of other gods and other things that we can worship, isn't it? From <laughs> we live in a very rich nation. We live in, in a nation full of things. And it's very easy to worship lots of things and to forget that there's a God that created us. I denounce you this day that you shall surely perish and you shall not prolong your days upon the land where you pass over Jordan to go to possess it. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that you have set before you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Now, I tried to bring our children up to the, to the best of our ability but I think that I, I probably read this one a lot to them because I wanted them to choose life. I wanted them to choose the way uh, of the kingdom of God. I want to see my children and your children and the children's children and all children, as God says, I want to see all the children in the kingdom of God. He, he's, he wants to see everyone in the kingdom. First Corinthians, of course, is a beautiful chapter. And Paul wrote this to encourage us. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is a beautiful chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, because that's what charity is, I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to, the, to feed the poor, and though I will give all my body to be burned and have no charity, it profits me nothing. See how important love is? God says we should love him with our whole being and that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And so it is, it's, and when Paul sat down to write this, he understood the necessity for us to have love. Love or charity, as it says, suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not, charity vaunts not itself, and is not puffed up. In other words, it's not arrogant. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It's interesting the way the world that we live in today, there's an awful lot of iniquity, and I hope that it grieves us to see what's going on in the world, because those people... You know, there, a lot of people that are innocent are suffering today. And it may come to our own doorstep. And so we need to have sympathy for everyone. Because all people are God's people. And they all have an opportunity to be in his kingdom. We just have to get, get out and reach out to them, whether it be to now or in the kingdom someday. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether they be tongues, they shall cease, whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish. You know, at the end, when all the prophecies are fulfilled and all the things and we're in the kingdom of God, we will have the love of God, won't we? The love of God will be there. It'll be surrounding and keeping us, and it'll be so so wonderful to, to have that as part of our, our, our very being. He will just radiate that love, as he should be doing it today, as we should see that. But he is love, as we know from what has been written. God is love, and in the kingdom, he'll be radiating that to his children. For we know in part, prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I came a man, I put away the childish things. For now we see through a, through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also known. Someday we will be able to see God as he is, and we'll see Jesus Christ as he is. And the glory that they have and the power that they have that, that will radiate out of them. And we'll be able to witness and look at them and we'll be able to worship them face to face. And that day is coming. And now abides faith, hope, and charity. That's love. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is love. Love for one another. <laughs> I, I've preached at uh, First John so many times about loving um, your wife or your husband, because they're the first brethren that you have. <laughs> they're the, they're, they live with you. So you, you, you know, it's part of, of what you should be doing, loving, loving your spouse. Uh, John 13, because Jesus, as, as he was um, imparting to his disciples, he says, this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, verse 34, John 13 verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I, I have loved you, that you also love one another. He loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his life. But this shall all men know, that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And you know, we have to, we really have to work and pray God to help us with that, to love one another. How do we understand the Spirit? How do we, you know, Pentecost is coming up when the Spirit was poured out. In, in the time that when, um, when uh, Moses was at Mount Sinai and, and he had the Spirit, God actually took the Spirit and divided it among those uh, 70 and also the, those were, that were building the tabernacle. But today, he says, today I, I pour out my spirit so that I might dwell in you and you might be my temple. So he's, he's dwelling in us. The Father and the Son are dwelling in us. And so we understand that because of what Paul wrote in, in first, first Corinthians, the second chapter, and I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to save that um, until Pentecost. In the uh, resurrection chapter that uh, Noel went to, and, and that's something that we, all of us, eventually begin to learn, isn't it? Where those key chapters are, those things that really encourage us, that strengthen us, that help us. Even those, those verses that are so 
that almost explain the whole plan of God in just a few verses. This one here um, is in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and I didn't give it to Brian because I wasn't sure how long my message was going to be, but I might, since I've got a couple of minutes here, I'm going to... I'm going to read this one portion here because I want you to understand that Paul was given the inspiration to write a few verses that explained the whole, whole plan of God. He says, uh, let's see, where do I pick it up? I think I'll pick it up right where, where Doyle was reading it. Um, let's see. Verse 13. Let's, let's pick it up at verse 13 because I think this is very important. Paul was one that would really, he was, if it came to the resurrection, he, would, he was vehement. Um, there were those that said there was no resurrection. And so he says, he says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And so this is very important for all of us to understand. This knowledge is pure knowledge of the resurrection given to us by Paul, helping us to understand what the resurrection is all about. In the Old Testament, there's a few places about the resurrection, but Paul amplifies it and helps us to, to, to really come to understand what that resurrection is all about, and especially that resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means to us. He says, if, it, if he's, he's not been risen, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is vain. You have to believe that Christ is resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father and is our high priest and our advocate. You have to believe this. It's a part of the knowledge of God that he has given us. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not, uh, if he raised not up and if so be that uh, dead rise not. So uh, whom he raised... Now that's really a hard one to, to, to do, but understand that if he didn't raise it, then, then the, the, the dead don't rise. For if the dead rise not, then, then is not Christ raised. And Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There's no hope, brethren. If there's no resurrection, it is, it is, it is very plain, there's no hope. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable because that's it. We might as well all be atheists because that's what they believe. They have no hope beyond this life. They have no look into the future. They don't, they don't, uh, uh, they don't believe in a creator. They don't believe, they believe in evolution. They, they believe we're a product of a pond scum and, um, and different things. Or they're agnostic. They don't really know. But they don't believe in Christ. They don't believe in his sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now, and here's the positive thing, is Christ risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He goes back to the beginning. See? In a very few verses, he, he shows the plan of God. Paul in very, is, is very good at showing everything in a very few verses. So he goes back to the beginning. For in Adam all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. 
But every man in his order, Christ the first, the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That's our hope, that we will be able to be resurrected when Christ comes, and we'll be a part of that. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to the Father, even the Father. Um, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest that he, is, that he the Father, is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued, there is going to come a time when all things are going to be subdued, all of this, the plan of God is going to be finished. The plan of God, and it's going to be worked out. Subdued to him. Then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And you see from, from that verse 22 to verse 28, there is a plan of God set out. God already, um, and Paul just laid it out just in a few verses. The resurrection, we look forward to it. You know, it says in here in verse 50, I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither can corruption inherit, uh, can corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of eye. The last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. And that's the day that we all should be looking forward to. And we should be continuing to study, continuing to understand God's word, the knowledge that he has. And we should be growing in grace, that part that God is doing in our life. Let's go back. As I finish, let's read that last verse again, that last verse that Peter put in his second epistle, because I think it's very important for us to be uh, admonished by Peter to say, grow, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen.